No rest for the weary. The weary, the Leafs? No, us. I was talking oh, about. Oh, okay. Oh, maybe I was talking about the Leafs. <laughs> They're practicing today at the Scotiabank Arena. Mm-hmm. The media <laughs> waiting for them. So, technically, they had a day off yesterday, but it was a travel day. Uh, they did not fly home right after the game against Anaheim. I would have been on the advice of the sleep doctors. It would have been. Go straight to bed. <laughs> and I'm we'll sure wake they did. up in the morning. Yeah, I'm sure no one sat in a nearby bar and got crushed. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the bar came to them. <laughs> yeah, it was probably more likely, yeah. <laughs> but it really sounded like uh, they were uh, they were looking for uh, some answers. And we'll hear from a few of them, including... Uh, Austin Matthews, but doesn't seem like uh, the media is ready to kind of take their foot off the the gas pedal here. And in about 20 minutes, we're going to have Luke Fox from sportsnet.ca who wrote an article. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to read it, sportsnet.ca, and he absolutely (laughs) annihilates this organization like... I don't know. I mean, I look at Luke. He's got this really apple pie face and doesn't sound like he'd say, you know. Apple pie? No. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Just he means like a kind. kind. He is honestly legitimately one of the nicest men on planet. Well, what do you think apple pie means? I don't know. I've it never means heard... nice. It's I... Richie Cunningham. I've never, ever see, heard that before in my life. That's why I was inquiring. Apple pie is really nice and friendly and warm. It's wholesome. It's wholesome. And he absolutely tears a strip off the Leafs. Basically called it, uh, I don't know, house of cards. Uh, What's his first line? If you build a house with faulty materials, it will eventually come crumbling down in shambles. Here's the thing, though. He, he, this is the best defense for all writers everywhere. Is if, if you're Luke, you say, okay, point to the untruth. Is there one? No? Then I didn't say anything I'm scathing. Not, I'm I, not I wrote saying, the truth. Not, I just called him apple pie. I wouldn't call him apple pie if I thought he was full of crap. <laughs> Good point. Oh, so, God, boys. Well, are you okay back there? I, Sammy, you, you're having a Sammy, tough time over all this. Sammy, yeah. snap out of it. I, I'm just, I'm. I, this this fan base is in disarray. This and, fan and, base is in complete and in many ways, and utter disarray. Uh, it, uh, like, you've got, I don't know, a hundred media people that could have potential to get to the players today. Like it, it's, it's crazy how many people are out there. Either, most of them probably swinging hard at the players, at the organization. That's not been typical at, here, I at, don't think it's not typical. It's been around forever, but. Well, you have some markets, including, say, the New York Rangers, where I played for three years, where, okay, it's the New York Rangers. It's a big stage, mm-hmm. uh, but there's also bigger stage for five or six professional teams. Yeah. You, you've lived it. Yep. You've seen it there. And there might be two or three very influ- influential uh, media types. Mm-hmm. Here, what do you have? 30, 40, 50? Yeah. Like, there's a ton of people that if if they've had their full of you or your or the way that you run a team, 
They're coming at you really hard here, and it can be overwhelming. Yeah, Raycroft hit it on the head yesterday. It's not so much that any one person or any one outlet is a lot. It's that the relentlessness of it all, the sheer volume of people asking questions can be challenging, which makes it seem like, I don't know, the the media is worse. It's just a lot of people, that's all. It's a ton. Hmm. And everybody gets a chance to outdo somebody else. Like... no, at the end of the day, they are fighting for eyeballs. They're fighting for clicks. They're fighting for what can I say that maybe will be different from the 50 other odd people that are, are writing There this. is great incentive to zag if you can while everyone's zigging. If you can find an avenue that other I, I get that. So people Uh-oh. try everything. I think Luke found a pretty good way to zag today. Oh, Luke zigged well, right down the middle of Main Street, if you ask me. Yeah, I... Listen, I think a lot of people are taking rightful shots at the moment. Like a guy that um, I read an article today from Down Goes Brown who, or Sean McIndoe, who has been a, a Leaf fan favorite for a long time. Like I've been write, reading this guy since I was in college, since in my early 20s. Like I've always found this guy very funny. He wrote an article today. He's always been a Leaf fan. And to me, this is the best sort of the best sort of summation that I've heard. I'll read this little piece here for you guys and we can talk about it. Say what you want about this Leafs team. They damn sure have an identity. Oh, and it's not the one they want, but they have it all the same and they don't seem to have much interest in shaking it. Their identity is failure. It's not for a lack of talent, but somehow in spite of it. A collection of stars who win at the bargaining table when it's contract time, but lose on the ice as soon as it matters. How do you root for that do you even bother? Oh. <laughs> and listen, I like not to get too deep into this, but you know, a barometer of Leaf fandom is pretty good as a hockey dressing room. And I went to hockey last night, and obviously the Leafs were a pretty hot con- conversation. And I have a lot of guys on my team that are diehard Leaf fans who watch every game. We talk about it every we've I've been playing with the same guys for almost 10 years. These guys said they can barely even watch the games. They they have this disdain towards the team. Ah. But they're the same people that five minutes ago absolutely loved watching it and spoke of Austin as being the greatest Leaf ever, and some may have even predicted uh, them winning a Stanley Cup this year. Who would do that? <laughs> More people watched our show yesterday than anything we've ever done. And I, I just speak of be, be, the experience that I've had as a player here and then being in the media for 22 years. And what gets the players the most, yeah. I think isn't just individual comments like this, but it just seems to be the pylon mm-hmm. that follows. It's like that mob mentality where it's just green-lighted. And, you know, I, I don't read a lot of this, Sean, uh, in The Athletic, but, yeah. I mean, it's written well, mm-hmm. and you get what he's coming from. But to me, writing it at this moment... It's fairly easy. It's easy. What isn't easy is is calling out these faults at the beginning of the season. That to me is like oh, but, now now you're telling me something that you 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 see that others don't see. But he's been writing this throughout it. Like has he? Okay, yeah. you so tell me no, no, if, no, if like he, he has. If he if he if he's he, got a good temperature on yes, Leaf Station for he, sure. I get your point. If he though, thought, Ken. 
if he spoke that I'm not buying the 115-point uh, crap and their defense is still one or two DOA, and if, if that was consistent for him, then good on him. Then he's he's been on to something. But right. um, my, my point isn't on Sean directly. It's just an overall yeah. insight of saying that the pylon in this city gets you in any era since they won last the last won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. And it's just it's easy now to go after them. I just feel so like to triangulate what we're all talking about is is this Leafs team likable? That's the question of the day to me and that's what Sean wrote about is that he didn't find it particularly fun or enjoyable. And Sammy, you're saying your your well, hockey buddies yeah. aren't watching and aren't as interested in this group for what reason? I just right now this group they're not an this is not an enjoyable hockey team to watch. It hasn't been an enjoyable two and a half, three weeks. It hasn't been an enjoyable start to the season. But you, you can't go from cheering an Austin Matthews to a 60-plus, a 60-goal season and, and records and where does he stack amongst the all-time great to, to now all of a sudden we hate you? Really? Mm, I Seriously? Think, I, I know what you're saying, Kipper, but it's just... The, fa- the failures and failures and failures and coming into a season after another first-round failure and hoping that it's going to look different and hope that they're going to learn from something and having it look exactly okay. the same, except worse. Like, I think, I don't think, you know, if you start about the start of last, talk about the start of last t- season, it didn't look as bad as it's looked through this stretch. <laughs> I'm reading the the beginning of Sean's article. Do you want, and, do you want me to read it? it and I, I think this is the most fair thing that the, that the, the, Yeah, you go ahead, read it. This version of the Leafs isn't a bad team. It's a good team that looks bad, awful even, way too often, and scared and hesitant and lost. And then when the game's over, they look confused and thin-skinned and pouty. The post-game media scrums are about the only time this team's stars seem to want to be defensive. The the first two lines, he's right. That we all believe that this is a better version team that's just playing really poorly now and that their stars will get going and... Mm. When it's all said and done, will it be a tough time. Will it be uh, a scenario where Edmonton, no matter how well Connor or Leon Dreisaitl play and carry the team, that it, it still won't be enough? That could be the case with Marner and, and Matthews. But they, they aren't this bad. And I think Sean nailed it. You know, so I'll just give a little love to my, uh, you know, my boy Ian Cass, a buddy, a buddy of mine who's a diehard Leafs fan. You know, I asked him, what's his take on this? He's been been with the Leafs all the way along all these, you know, last however many years, 30 years. He says, you know, I do like this team. It's the first era, you know, with, with elite players that are generally likable as well as a true feeling they should be able to win. Everything he says after that is about how it's the expectations that this team was supposed to win. And you talk about the media, when you get these superstars, it gets built up with such loud volume. Everyone believed that a title was coming. And so to me, it's not about a group of unlikable players, but it's about yeah. a expectation everyone had. And we've talked a lot about expectations lately and falling short of it and coming to this like realization that it may not happen for this group when it once seemed inevitable. That's crushing. 100%. And that's exactly it. Like I talked about where the Sabres are at in their trajectory and your turn, you're talking about that. It feels like yeah, there's, these guys, but, no, but, you st- but you feels like you're on the way down 
with nothing. And I know Marner's still young. I know Matthew's you, still young. You, I know Nylander's still young. I know these guys are still young. But, but there's no guarantee they're going to be here for no, past And there's years. no guarantee that the Buffalo Sabres no, with I know. Paige Thompson today will look Make like uh, Listen, uh, a great team in two years. But I'm just talking about where they're at in terms of their yeah, fans right. cheering for it. Where they're at. Like is, they're just on the way up as opposed to what seems to be on the way down. Where they're at is what, four, four and two. Two. I mean, if if we're sitting here in ten days or two weeks and the needle hasn't moved. They're I think six, it's six, six and three. I think it's again, I don't want to get caught up in are they five hundred, one game above five hundred, or even one game below five hundred. If the optics of what we see on the ice remains consistent to the first 10 games, then a lot of this stuff that I'm hearing will carry a lot more weight than it would today for me anyways. Yeah. That's all. I, I just think it's still too early to start burying people in this organization. Well, yeah. I mean, it's easy to see how this gets turned around and they start winning. That, it's not that well, see, early. This, okay. Well, it's not that early. People are saying it's years, right? It is years, right? That's the thing. Well, that's that's but, why. But people here's are what I'm seeing then, in my Twitter feed that's driving me yeah. crazy. I'm seeing people go. You can't change oh. history, though. No, but I'm seeing people go like at least the Kuhlman and Grabowski teams. You know, they would be tough, and you know, and, and or they would push back. And at least that these teams and going through are you this tough l- enough to play this game. <laughs> going through these list of teams <laughs> that never really felt good enough to win. A championship and that that that's the context in which this is also different is that this team should be good enough and doesn't seem to have found yeah. i don't know that identity that's something it's just like i think it hurts more because it's so close to something that should be and still could be great but you're right sam it feels like you're trying to hold water like it's just slipping through your fingers here yeah and that may be the uh, that may be the case but uh for me it's I'll I'll wait another ten days, two weeks, yeah. and especially when I see what's on tap for the next five games, and they are challenging, and they are tough, and you are going to see uh, the Boston Bruins, who are the best team so far, yep. to get out of the gate. Marchand is healthy now; he's back in there. Carolina's the next. Bergeron best team. looks as good as he's ever been. Pasternak, oh my God, this guy's playing for an $11 million contract. Like, if that isn't the ultimate test Saturday night to see where your, as Morgan Riley said, character is, yeah. then nothing will, will, will challenge you. <laughs> Top three teams in the league by points right now are Boston, Vegas, Carolina, yeah. and by points percentage. And That's their next three after... After Philly. After Boston, Philly. Vegas, Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> Spicy. Yeah. And so, I... I if you look at the way the ball, I, I don't want to be so negative, but it just doesn't look like a I'm trying contending to, team. I'm trying to like so the pull roster back today, off the, lineup is, the well, ledge here. Well, like, I'm, listen. I, I, isn't, isn't that strange? A little bit. <laughs> it's kind of nice, actually. But, Kipper, you look at the bottom six of this team. Concerns. What? Huge concerns. <laughs> Well, it, you know, it, it's almost to the point I said to you something that I barely meant, but like, my, it felt like it had a kernel of truth. It's like, is Sheldon trying to embarrass Kyle? Like, just throwing the most haphazard bottom six lines together? What are they today? It's so, pawn, hold, so the, should read me the bottom six. So the, the third line or whatever, third or fourth line, I guess, is interchangeable. But the, the third line listed here by David Alter on Twitter is Engvall, Holmberg, Yarncrook, Aston Reese, Kampf, Malgin, 
with Nick Roberts and, and Obey Kubel on the outside looking in. Like Aston Reese, Kampf, Mulgan. What are you asking that line to do? What scenario do they go over the boards? Goals, defense, what? And you look at the, the D pairs and it doesn't like, you know, it's got, you got Riley with Victor Mette today. Yikes. Um, I know they're, they're missing I'm, 3D though. They're, I mean, they're, they're without they Muzzin, are, Lilligren, Bend, what? or... They're not going to get Lilligren until next week, I think. He, he, he's okay. not eligible to come back on the, uh, the cap or the roster till I think, Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. The 5th, maybe. does sound like they can spend Muzzin's money at some point. That would be interesting. Like, it seems like Muzzin might be out for the year. It's a... It's... Yeah, that, that ship sailed on thinking that you need to protect Muzzin's 5.6. Right, in case he's... Gone. Is it? Yes. Really? Okay. Yes. I, I, I was kind of speculating. They but. are 100% all in that they've got his money now to, to go fix it. And if you are in a scenario where Muzzin can come back down the road, you deal with it then. Yeah. And that, by the way, they'll bring Lilligren in who makes 1.4. You'll take out someone who makes 750, whether it's Crawl or Mete or whoever. So they can't spend all of that, but they'll have four, four and a half or yeah. whatever to spend. Yeah. So uh, for me, if if they can kind of calm the waters down and it was a conscious decision not to, for Brendan Shanahan or Kyle Dubas to see uh, or uh, talk to the media, and I don't necessarily blame them because I said it yesterday. I don't think there's anything that po- that, that can be positive. If anything, it would probably just stoke the fire. Yeah, I, I know. And you made that point very well yesterday. But I do think that there's something to the more that you communicate with someone, the less you have to explain. You know, you haven't seen a friend in like two years and they're like, what's up? And you're like, well, <laughs> what do you want? Where do you want to start here? You know, it's been a long time, but you see someone every day and there's not, not as much to say. Or you can just answer, not much. How are you? Well, sure, but I feel like Sheldon... <laughs> and that's it. It's over. Well, I And feel... now I'm talking about you for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> I feel like the, if Sheldon... Or, sorry, if Kyle would make himself more available, every time he came out, it wouldn't be like... You know, the meme with the swords drawn from Frozen or whatever oh, it yeah. is? Like, it wouldn't be like that every time he spoke. Like, we'd all, there'd be a couple of shivs out. But right now, when he speaks, it's like, everyone tune in. Like, don't say anything wrong or we're going to bury you. It's got to be incredibly hard. Like, they have to spend a lot of money on training these guys to talk to the media. Because they, I don't think they do. They have to. No. I don't what? get that sense at all. No. They spend millions everywhere but i'm not sure what goes into the day-to-day of of prepping these guys to talk to the media and what kind of message that you want to portray they talk so much and every we play clips on here we 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 talk about every word they say what do you think he meant by that i would be spending (laughs) so much money on pr for the past 48 hours there, there's been a a bit of a swale on on Mitch Marner and, and Sheldon if there's tension tension and uh, the the benching or the perception that Mitch marched into his office a week ago and said I didn't like the uh, elite comment and and all of that and I, I for me there's nothing there no. it's almost as if it was kind of 
fabricated a little bit through a, a media buildup, and and it, we we said it last week. When when Sheldon turns around and backtracks, it actually put Mitch and maybe a few other guys in that kind of awkward position to look like I'm carrying way more power than I really have. Yeah, and I I think. If I'm not mistaken, Mitch Marner addressed the Sheldon talk about uh, if he's uh, if if they're playing for for his job right now, and Mitch just said no. I mean that's not the case. We we think he's doing an unbelievable job. I mean that put, kind of puts the end to that, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. Because you you know that is the right thing to say, right? Like, and that's what he should. But I do feel like. We're left because they're never going to say if there is a problem. He's never going to yeah. come out and be like, yeah, we're, no. you know, and, so. And for the record, I, I did say the other day that I believe that Sheldon probably chirped Mitch the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, he took out his frustration partially on that. Yeah. But okay, that, that's, those are one-offs. I mean, I, I've sat on benches where I've seen Scott Stevens and, the late Brian Murray go at it to the point where he threw a water bottle at Brian Murray. But I think we'd rather see that. I think I'd rather see them. Who is it, McKinnon and Bednar, that are always like F-U-F-U at yeah. each other? You know, like there's almost like a, it's a healthier relationship to have that rather than this like simmering. So we're left speculating. Someone like me anyway is like, I don't know, it sure looks like he doesn't seem happy, but like, I don't know. It's almost easier if you just... It's not that uncommon for... for important players like that to to get challenged every once in a while and then have a, a an outcry i just uh yeah i don't know if we have do we have luke or not because he wrote we do may i lead into this uh, kipper oh my goodness i'd love that hi luke thanks for joining us today how are you i'm doing fine a little jet lagged but i'm, I'm pretty good how are you guys well you're not jet lagged enough to uh <laughs> to write like uh, um how would you describe it, JB, his uh, article? I think it was... Caving? <laughs> no, no. I think it no. was uh, It was full of truths. Okay. It was full of truths, and we wanted, we're happy to have you on today. Thank you for joining us. The, the one thing I wanted to ask you before we turn back to the previous column was just on your recent one about this sort of blow-up and the comparison to Kucherov and, and Tampa Bay. Can you explain kind of what happened there before they found their way through? Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember that game, but in December of 2019, so John Cooper's coming off a really embarrassing uh, sweep at the hands of the bottom-seeded Columbus Blue Jackets, and Tampa Bay's losing, or no, they're winning 3-1 to the Ottawa Senators, who are rebuilding. Kucherov actually already has a goal in that game. Uh, soft back check, Connor Brown scores. Uh, giveaway in his um, in the O zone, trying to make a a skill play goes the other way. Tie game, Senators. Cooper sits Kucherov at the end of the second period. Doesn't even play him in the third. Just benches the guy. Remember, at that time, Kucherov is the reigning Hart champion. Tampa Bay hasn't broken through yet. They haven't won a Stanley Cup. They're this team that filled with skill filled with promise that hasn't got it done. The coach is feeling heat because he just got swept by a low-ranked team the previous spring. Uh, Kucherov responds by getting four points in his next three games, goes on and, and just absolutely dominates in the, in the bubble, 
um, you know, better than a point per game in the pandemic bubble. And Tampa wins its first cup with that core. Uh, the reason I, I led my article with that is it's possible to bench a star player and for things to be okay. Mm-hmm. John Cooper and Steven Stamkos have butted heads in the past. I'm sure you guys remember Jared Bednar and Nathan McKinnon going at it, like in front of the cameras on the bench. They won a cup. I'm just saying these things can be overcome. It's not that huge of a deal. The difference for me, though, was that what happened with Keith and Marner is it was one shift. And it feels like a half measure. It felt like the benching version of calling out elite players and then apologizing for calling out elite players. It just felt like if you're going to do it, I think you should fall through and bench it for the rest of the game or don't do it at all. The only issue I have with that is if it really uh, falls on the, on a, on a merit and I'm, I'm Mitch Marner and I've seen, uh, mistakes after mistakes from uh, Austin Matthews to start the season. If I've seen some bad decisions with uh, a Morgan Riley, okay, can can we not also share in that? Can we also like is is Mitch by far the worst out of all of them? Like, can you can you sh- can we share this feeling that if if I can be benched, let's make sure that we. We're benching the right person at the right time for the right reason. Like, where did Matthews have any start to this season that would warrant to benching in your mind? And if not, if if he did, would they would they have the guts to do it? I don't know if he'd have the guts to do with it. Do it, and I think a lot of that has to do with this team's decisions being partially informed by the looming cloud that we all know is Matthews can be re-signed on July 1. I mean, I think that's why, partially why, through this sluggish offensive start, the coach has not broken up Matthews and Marner because they like playing together. He took bunting away from Matthews for like half a game. Otherwise, that line has been essentially the only one that's been untouched. He's juggled every deep pair. He's juggled every other line but essentially that line is stuck together and i and through through a struggle and this is a coach willing to tweak and experiment and so you have to wonder if part of the reason why he's doing that is because he wants to keep matthews happy um there was a really soft back check in my mind in the san jose game by austin matthews he could have sent a message then but for context what i will say is going into that anaheim game it was very tense Morgan Riley prefaced that game by saying that calling it basically a test of their character or a chance to show their character by going out and winning. And every guy who stepped up and talked to us going into the game, we're on the same page. They said the same thing. We're going to play very simple. We're not going to take chances. We're going to get pucks to the net. We're, we're going to get basically get an ugly win to get some momentum and get on a plane and get out of here. And they had a lead. They had that game wrapped up and then a little bit of extra stick handling, you know, that I, I think that's why he did it. Okay. And you're talking about Marner's extra yeah. bit of stick handling on a guy, and, on a guy that you had play almost 25 minutes, 24 hours ago, and then 27 earlier in the week. And you can, 
have your sleep doctors tell you that you can't travel after the game. You can have your um, your sleep doctors or your sports science to tell you that Samsonov can't play back-to-back games, but you can go to Marner, squeeze him until there's not a drop out of him and have him 24 hours after he's played 25 minutes to come back and, and squeeze him some more, and he turns the puck over, and now I'm going to bench him. And use you as an example. Does, it, does anyone see anything wrong with that other than me? I just don't understand why it can't be Mitch. I don't understand why it can't be him. Like, you want it to be Morgan Riley. Why Why can't it be Mitch? Why it If they're going to set an example Mitch, of one of the he's, older... He's not the first guy I would go to. That's all. Yeah. Okay? He's just... Uh, again, you're overplaying him. He is the constant guy. That when you start talking about 25, 27 minutes, it's Mitch. Yeah. You've asked him to kill every penalty. You've asked him to, to, to score a goal shorthanded. You, 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 there's nothing left of the kid, and you're 10 games in. And then he turns the puck over, and then you shit on him. Well, like, what is that? So, Luke, do you, do you think that relationship is that fractured now? No, I wouldn't go to that, that extent. I, I think you're, you're dealing with two men that, in their own way, are on tilt right now. Sheldon Keefe has tried, you know, I'm sure he's tried stuff behind closed doors. He has tried from the very first game at the Bell Center, calling out the team, saying that's not good enough. He's tried, you know, the gentle approach now, saying, you know, there's stuff in that game to build on. He's, he's tried every line combination almost under the sun. That right, like today they called up Pontus Holmberg because he, he's trying to find another guy who can actually play center after he's cycled through Kerfoot and Yarncroke. And Nylander, like he is, he is just kind of throwing everything at the wall. So I think he tried something he's never done before, and that's benching Marner. I, I think he's getting desperate. And then I think Marner is, you know, he came into this season feeling very good. I, he, him at training camp, he was very light. He was jokey. He was happy. It was very refreshing, and I, I felt very encouraged for the season he was about to have because – Going into the previous training camp after the the debacle at the hands of the Canadians, this was a tense kid. He was he was you know not giving very great interviews it, it, to us reporters, like very short answers. He seemed more relaxed this summer, but then you know the the wins haven't come, the offense has struggled to get going, and he's feeling the weight of the world. And part of that, you're right, Kipper, is he's playing the most of any forward in the whole league. And that wasn't the plan. The plan was to have a bottom six that actually reduced the top six's minutes and eased, the, eased up a little bit on them. And that was part of my argument with my article after the Anaheim game is I don't think Kyle Dubas has built a strong enough defense or a strong enough bottom six. And it's taking a toll on the big guys. And, it, and on nights where they don't score, the team doesn't win. 100%. You nailed it. Yeah, and that seems to be, it's all or nothing. And that's, you know, they lose Tavares against Montreal. And it's like, well, you know, our plan was to rely on four people. We lost one of them. We can't win. You know, it just, it does feel frustrating. So the tone of that article you wrote after the Anaheim game was pretty direct. And I think, you know, I, I, I'd i say critical in a positive way in, in the way that I think you touched on a lot of important things. What what tone were you going for? What points were you trying to make in the in the big picture when when writing that article? Uh, well, I mean it's 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 a lot, right? Because it's it's been building for years and years. And when Kyle Dubas 
started this plan, I thought this is going to be this uh, a really interesting, grand experiment to see if this is where hockey's going. Because the traditional thought is you build from the net out, you find strong defensive players, you invest in a good goalie, and you find you know a strong center or two and, and fill in around the wings. He's basically invested in five offensive players, you know, the, the big four forwards and a really dynamic offensive defenseman in Morgan Riley. And then the easy, the so-called easy spot um, part of the plan is, is filling in the fringes once you have that elite, elite talent. But there's been the slow trickle of really good role players for various reasons. I mean, Nazem Kadri, it was they didn't trust him in the playoffs, and Zach Hyman wanted more money. Ilya Mikheyev wanted more money. And it doesn't mean Kyle Dubas is a bad GM. I'm not saying that. I mean, I, he's, I think he's a, a really smart guy, and, and it, according to his vision, he's done very good things. He's recognized mistakes and made good trades. I, I like the, the Nick Ritchie for Labushkin trade, like, you know, get something good. But there's been a slow trickle away of some good heart and soul role players and the new crop that he's brought in isn't doing the trick. I don't see an Andre Kasha, Michael Bunting uh, out of this group. Pierre Engvall to me does not look like he's going to make up for Il- Ilya Mikheyev's goals and the blue line. You're missing Labushkin, Jake Muzzin. We don't know when or if he's coming back. And there's, there's it, the, the blue line is, is one note. You're asking Justin Hall to punch above his weight class and be a top four defenseman when I don't think he is. You're asking Sandine and pretty soon Lilligren to be, you know, three, four, five defensemen. And I don't know if they're quite ready for that. Sandine got roasted on that trip. So I, I just, I think the blue line's too thin. And I, I think the bottom six isn't going to provide enough secondary scoring. So it's like very one note. Either that top six is, is feeling it and they're pumping in the goals and you're winning by scoring four or five, or you're, you're losing to some of the worst teams in the league, which is what I've seen. And I think a lot of fans have seen that as well. Well, and he's not the only general manager that's looking for that diamond in the rough. And he got, he got very fortunate or he had a keen eye. One of the two on bunting ending up with 60 points last season. But how often can you go to the, Dollarama and find a, a gem. Well, exactly. And that, and that is explicitly the plan. And there's another element to that, too, is, uh, you know, like Zach Hyman loved being a Maple Leaf. I, I don't know if Obey Cabell feels the same way or Aston Reese or Yarn Croak. You know, they're, they're here they're, and they're, they're good on paper. And I, I just don't know if they're the guys, you know, that they and maybe maybe I'm wrong. Hey, maybe maybe the people are going to throw that article back on me and say this was the roster, but it just doesn't feel like that at, at this point. And I, I don't know if there's enough of a supporting cast that's willing to to fight for that logo right now. I was just going to say though, uh, you, I was just going to ask him a, yeah, yeah. a big picture. No, go for it. Just just yeah, just in terms of reading your article. I mean, we are just ten games here, but. There's a sense I got out of you on, on 10 games is you, you've bailed on this roster. That's it. Uh, you, you're, you're washing your hands until they bring me something different. Uh, and, and you mentioned it. Maybe their shooting percentage will improve or there's, their high-end skill will find more nets. But, hey, this, is, this ain't going anywhere. 
Is that fair to say out of your article? Any anywhere deep, I, I like. I, I would I would be surprised unless they make some some changes that they go on a deep run. Can they make the playoffs? Absolutely. I mean, are they going to turn it around? Austin Matthews is going to shoot at this rate. Mitch Marner is going to produce at a, at a higher rate. Uh, you know, the, things will turn around. And, and the other thing we haven't talked about is the goaltending. Uh, I just I just really think that after you've been through a year of betting on an injury prone goalie and seeing him fall down due to injury, mm-hmm. I found it a very curious and risky move to once again bet on an injury-prone goalie. And guess what? He gets yeah. injured the, the morning skate of his second start. Um, Matt Murray's back on the ice trying to work his way back today. Uh, so that, that's, a, that's a positive. Yeah. But... 10 games in, you've started an AHL goalie three times. You've lost all those games. I, I'm really question, starting to question this uh, wow. this roster's depth at, at every position. You're right. I, I think you, it's fair. You you go from uh, one injury-prone goalie last year to another. But you know who made that decision? D- Dubas? No. Well, yeah, but analytics. Yeah. That's an analytics so? signing. Yeah. The best available player based on money puck. I think right now we struggle. Like publicly, there's nothing great on goaltending. Next level stuff. I don't know. Maybe there's some internal stuff. But boy, it's uh, sure did not pan out so far. It does feel like when Matt Murray comes back too, Luke. Like, is there any part of anyone in the fan base who's like, okay, you know, now we're off and running. Like, it feels scary to put that guy in net given this past couple years. Yeah, I mean, and especially the way things went with Mrazic, right? Like, yeah. uh, those type of muscles, you know, it's not one of those things where you come back 100% uh, that you're susceptible to, to pulling it again. So, um, you know, this fan, the fan base went through it with three injuries to Mrazic last year. Mrazic in Chicago, poor guy, he's out again with a groin injury. Like, it just keeps mounting. So he has the abductor muscle, and then he also has a concussion history. There's just a lot of risk there. And it feels like there's been more more gambles the, the, as the Dubas tenure's gone on. Um, yeah. So I guess after this article, there's no real reason for you to write again until either they miss the playoffs or they get knocked out in the first <laughs> round, right? What are you going to do for the rest of the year? <laughs> Oh, there's there's always stories, Kipper. As Pontus uh, Holmberg got called up, Kipper, there's an article right there. <laughs> All right, Luke, get a rest. Okay. <laughs> go go uh, talk to you, the Sportsnet sleep doctor. Okay. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining us, bud. Okay, anytime. All right. And, and listen, that guy's exactly what we need when talking about the Leafs. <laughs> He's... Okay. Uh, listen... Man is entitled to his opinion. Everybody's, yeah. everybody is. Everybody. I, I think he's voiced he's a, a lot of platform. public sentiments. He's given people a lot to think about, and he's seen enough after ten games. He's seen enough. I don't know. He could be right. He could be right. He could be. But here's the thing: looking at this team and going, hey, they ain't getting any better than this. They are going to get better because Matthews and Marner are going to get better. They're going to improve. You. But who's going? Who in the bottom six, as it's presently constituted, is going to get hot? The guy who's out tomorrow, Robertson. 
Like, it, who's going to, who are you looking at that's going to, you know, start firing in uh, the net? Engvall could still get on a 15 goal pace with, you know, he scores a few in a few games. I have no doubt. Like, listen, they're not no going to be. He's got no faith in no, Engvall. Very little faith. Got, this is the tone of the show, though, today is, is the, the faith I, is I gone. Think, I think they are a playoff team, clearly. I think they will improve. I think they will have a good record. Somewhat. They just. I just don't they think. They need to find a way to shore it up the blue line if there's one place that Kyle left himself exposed and that was and I I don't know if you guys remember but when we first started this show at the beginning of last year no, we don't went, remind people that exists we went I would rather you know do we a went hard to listen to the start of that on show. the behind the scenes yeah. of all or nothing yeah we did and one of the things that stuck out my mind when we watched it was Keith and Kyle, I guess, looking over the depth chart, and Sheldon back then said, "What do we do if Muzzin gets hurt?" Yeah. <laughs> you play Mete with Riley. We're, we're well over a year, yeah. and the answer is nothing. Well, at, th- at that time, they also had a goalie who was hurt, and they didn't know when he was going to be available. They weren't From, allowed. To, they didn't talk to him. They didn't talk to him. It's familiar. They had Freddy. yep Matthews. Um, was it a slow start last year? Got pissed off because oh he said something in the media and Sheldon after the first up. game yeah. went to the media yeah. or went to Kyle yeah. and was like Matthews is saying stuff in the media we can't be saying so we're back there. I read an article yesterday which I think I shared with you. Kevin McGran wrote an article a year ago like to the day that was Leafs are under pressure. Mitch Marner's you know Mitch Marner was in the headlines for you know same stuff. Lead team wasn't winning so point the finger at one yeah. of a couple so- guys. Groundhog Day. And if you are supposed to be a, a, a top contending team, a, to, a top contending uh, President's Trophy team, mm-hmm. and you lose your most physical number one shutdown guy and you don't have anybody close to replacing him, and now you've put all your eggs in one basket on, on Jordan Ben, that's... That's leaving yourself exposed right now. Start looking around the league. All right, we got a break. Okay, we'll take a quick break here. Mark Recchi, three-time Stanley Cup champion and eighth all-time in games played, will join us after the break. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. We're back. I teed him up after the break. Mark Recchi will be joining us now. Uh, he's got the coach's room, a regular feature uh, during the 2022-23 season uh, that he uh, speaks of uh, the inside look to the game through the eyes of a teacher. Mark Recchi, Phil Housley will take turns uh, providing their insight for NHL.com, if I'm not mistaken. Rex, how are you? Thanks for joining us. No problem. Great. How are you guys doing? We're doing well, I think, under Leaf Nation. I think at the time, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're okay. we got to talk. We got to talk our producer off the ledge every once in a while. But uh, other than that, we're okay. So, I find it so interesting that uh, you know one of your discussion pieces is uh, always about the uh, the start of a season and how patient you have to be at times to not overreact. You are what this city needs right now, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, it, take, it takes time sometimes. And, you know, you always want to get off to a great start. But you know what? It, you know, the players individually want to get off to a great start and teams want to get off to a great start. And, you know, sometimes it just doesn't quite happen. And, and you know, it's, it's 10 games in, 8, 10 games in, and, 
And, you know, you just got to stay patient with it right now. And, and uh, you know, you got to keep your composure. The team, the, you know, the coaching staff will do a good job keeping their composure and trying to get guys on going in the right direction. And the players have to uh, start believing in each other. Just before JB jumps in, uh, quickly over your experience behind the bench, not necessarily as a player, but how many games would you need to really know what you know about your team? And does it vary? Well, I'd say by Thanksgiving um, is usually a pretty good indication of where you're going to be at. Um, you know, number one, you know, that's a pretty good indication. Usually what teams are going to make the playoffs, you, you know, there's been a few times where there's some teams that have gotten in, but for the most part, uh, it, it's pretty close to being, you know, set for the most part that I, that I call, we, you know, a number of years ago when I was coaching. So, you know, it's, I'd say Thanksgiving um, is, is a good indication of where, you know, a, a U.S. Thanksgiving, that is, so um, where you have a good feel for it. Mark, right now when people look at this Toronto Maple Leafs team, no one thinks they're under-talented, but, you know, they are underachieving a little bit. So I'm looking at the leadership side of things and wondering what this team can do or what play individual players can do to get this team on track because their leadership doesn't seem like an overly vocal group. John Tavares is not a naturally outspoken type. Matthews, you know, some of these guys that really drive the bus for this team on the ice don't seem like overly vocal guys. So what is it they can do to, to provide something to jumpstart this team? Well, you know what, there's, there's lots of factors that they can, you know what, they got to be their best players. And, right. you know, that goes for any team. They got to be their best players and they got to lead by example. And, you know, there's been a lot of very quiet leaders. Uh, you look at Patrice Bergeron, number one. You know, he's a quiet guy. He's not outspoken, but he lets his play dictate and, and players follow him. And that's what, you know, that's what they got Matthews and the Marners and the Tavares. That's what they're going to have to do. And they're going to have to grab that team and, and uh, pull it along and, and uh, get them going in the right direction. And, you know, they're, you know, they got to play within a team structure, but they have to be leading in the effort and, you know, the composure and, and believing in trying to get everybody to believe in each other. We're talking to Mark Recchi, three-time Stanley Cup champion, who's currently writing for the NHL.com. Uh, you also spoke of... Uh, uh, systems and structure, and I think that's the other thing. Uh, I think when we looked at the Toronto Maple Leafs in particular, uh, that they just don't seem like uh, they're a, a cohesive group, especially when it comes to the transition from uh, pucks from the, the back end up into their forwards. Uh, we also heard from Jimmy Rutherford talking uh, last Saturday on After Hours, Mark, where he's talking about don't don't, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, but don't talk to me about players out of the lineup talk to me about uh, a structure that can allow guys to be successful um you know how much is that coming into play here especially for a toronto maple leaf team and how much can that improve and how far does sheldon need to go to say what we're doing isn't working we got to revamp this structure yeah i mean i've i've watched them once this year so you know i you know i'm not i don't have a lot of uh, background on it but i do know uh you got to get the pucks into the into the offensive players and you got to get four-man attack especially with that team i mean last year when we played them when i was coaching with new jersey you know they were they were they were they were four men coming at you all the time you, you know you you'd never you yeah you, you know they backed you off all the time and, and that's getting it into those good players hands and get going and all you know all cohesive going up the ice in four-man structures, and and uh, and then you know obviously you're going to have to defend. Uh, you have to defend in this league, 
if you don't, you're not going to be successful. And, you know, I think the biggest thing for them is, is you know, you, they've got some defensemen that can get it in their hands. So, um, you know, I'd have to watch their games a little closer to see exactly uh, what's happening, how they're getting hemmed in. Um, you know, maybe it's some little structural thing that uh, Sheldon, I'm sure, will figure out. You know, it's uh, two years running, I believe. Mitch Marner has been named the best right winger in the NHL, and he's been a fir- first uh, team NHL All Star. Um, you know, we had some drama here where uh, he got benched for a whole shift. Um, there was also, you know, some sort of comments in the media between coach and their stars. I'm sure you've seen superstars squabble with their coaches before. Can it work when the players are frustrated or don't want to hear it from their coach anymore? Or does something have to be rectified with that relationship? You know, if they, you know what they're, I'm not sure what goes on in the back door, but I'm sure they, you know, they talk it out. I mean, uh, you know, I would believe Sheldon and the cool coaching staff is, you know, is very hands-on in, in talking to these guys, making sure they work through things. And uh, that's important, more so than ever, um, is the communication with the players. Uh, you know, you have to you have to have that nowadays. And and uh, you know, when Nick knows when we started, you didn't have, they didn't have to talk to us. Um, you know, back, but now it's a different game, and and players are different, and you have to you have to find ways to really uh, connect with them. And and you know, it, it sometimes it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight, and you're going to go through difficult times together and as long as you stay you know strong together and you both understand and you're on the same page then you, you'll eventually get through that oh i'm sure like a like sid sid and sullivan in pittsburgh they they, they got forever. best of friends eh? they never Friendship they never bracelets. challenged each other did they <laughs> yeah they you know it, it's awesome you know and it's fun to see because uh you know you know they definitely you know they they have an amazing relationship but there's no question they challenge each other. And that's just the, that's the, the great thing about their relationship. And, and I don't think they have it any other way. And, and uh, you know, they, they work with each other. Uh, they have a mutual respect, which is, uh, which is extremely important. And, and uh, that's why they, you know, when, when, you, when Sid's your, when you, he's your hardest worker every day in practice and wants to grind and wants to get through it and guys are tired and he's saying, let's go. And, he, and you know, we got to push through with that makes a big difference, and that's what the, the Matthews and the Marners and, and the Tavares are going to have to do in Toronto. How much should coaches allow players to have a say and to hear explanations for their decisions? I understand that it's not like it used to be, and I'm sure that while you were in New Jersey, you saw it all the time. Surely there's a level, though, where it's just like, you know what, because that's the decision. Go play hockey, you get paid. How much should guys get to hear? Well, you know what, you're, it's 50-50. You're you're in it 50-50 with your with your players as coaching staff, and that's all you ask. You know you meet you meet halfway and you work through it together. And you know so they the players definitely need deserve to have say, but it's you know and as the coach does. And it, you know if you can if you can get it where you got your you're coordinated and you're 50-50. You know it's not 40-60, it's not 60-40, it's 50-50, and you're working together and you're believing in each other. Uh, the good things will come. So we've seen some early success from coaches uh, in new positions. Jim Montgomery in Boston, Peter DeBoer in Dallas. Uh, dare Cassidy I say in it? Vegas. Tor- uh, Cassidy in Vegas, Tortorella, dare I say it, in, in Philly. Is this just a lot of it, Mark, on, on players being on their best behavior early? 
Well, there's, there's definitely a grace period for sure. Um, you know, there, there always is, but you know, these guys are good coaches too. So, um, you know, obviously there always is shelf life in coaches as we know, um, but they're good coaches to start off with. So they've got the respect right away. And, you know, then it's, it's up to now building that, like I said, continuing to build that relationship. So, um, you know, they, they, they've done a good job and, you know, but time, you know, it's a, it's a long season and there are going to be some tough times they're going to go through. And that's how you see, that's when you know whether that team is going to be uh, strong together or not. You know, we've looked at the, you know, obviously we're Leafs focused here, but core players obviously are a key part. They're not going anywhere. The guys on the outside, a lot of guys are here in one-year contracts uh, trying to find their way. How how much are they allowed to speak up or grab a guy and ask for more within the team, within the dressing room? How much are those guys able to sort of, I guess, push from within? Well, that you know, that... It, it's hard for those guys, but, you know, if you have a strong veteran presence or a strong guy that's, you know, that's uh, very well respected in the dress room, then absolutely he should have some say. And your leadership, your your core guys should welcome that and should mm-hmm. want that. And, you know, I think that's important, important, especially, you know, for a team like Toronto, you're in a big market. It's, you know, it's very demanding. And, you know, you got to be all in it together. And, and you know, if you don't want to hear – uh, third or fourth line guys, uh, you know, comments and stuff, then you know what? You're not going to be very successful because they're in it with you and uh, you don't win without those guys as well. So, you know, I think it's important that they, you know, that they embrace those guys and make sure that they feel like they're part of the team, like a big part of the team as well. Well, one of the issues here is that uh, the, the depth isn't there that uh, I think a lot of Leaf fans were expecting uh, coming out of the season on 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 their third and fourth lines and uh, Rex we know what third we knew what for sure what a fourth line would look like when we when we broke into the league right and that's not the case here in many ways I know there's some real good bottom six players in the league but for the most part it almost seems like a lot of these guys are just interchangeable guys but how hard do you come back and, and squeeze your third and fourth lines, if if you're if they're not producing, and as a coach, what can, like, how far do you go? Well, you you know what, if they're not producing, they better be playing physical, or they better be doing something that's that's helping drive the team, right. uh, because it is it is important over the course of 82 games that they have to chip in eventually. Uh, but if you're not, you better darn sure be make make sure you're either physical, you're either doing a heck of a job on the penalty kill. Uh, which some of those guys have huge roles usually on a, on a team with, and you know they're they're buying in, they're blocking shots, they're doing everything they need to make sure they are trying to make a difference. And if they're not, then then you're right. It's just like it's vanilla, and you know you you might as well go find a young guy with some juice and uh, and see if he can bring some energy. How did you find a way to be effective in different roles? Because like you know you came in as a rookie and all of a sudden it's was it twenty three years later you're still in the NHL? Like surely you played all the different spots on a team. How did you manage that? Hundred points year and year <laughs> no you big deal. And Kevin Stevens and Mario. You guys gave you gave us Washington Capitals and Rangers nightmares, buddy. Yeah, that was well. It didn't help. It didn't hurt when you had the sixty-six in the middle either. So, oh my gosh! Uh, so, <laughs> so you know, it was uh, 
you know what, just to play those different roles, you, you, you just, like, as I got older, obviously I realized it wasn't what I was. And, and um, you know, I, I was, you know, I was a bigger piece when I was younger. And then as you grow older, you're, you're just a piece. And, and, but, you know, I, I just kept on doing what I, I do. And I knew that I had to make a difference. Like there's games that, you know, if I didn't feel I had it, I would try and be physical and try and go out there and, and get a couple big hits. If we needed a spark, I'd try and do that. You know, even into my 40s, I just felt that that's what, you know, hey, I was there for and I need to help these guys and, and help them understand that that's what it is. And, you know, if I'm not producing, and uh, you know, which I wasn't as much when I got older, then I had to find ways to do other things and, and uh, spark the team and help the team. Hey, Rex, we really appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, we want to do it again real soon, okay? Yeah, anytime, guys. Appreciate it. Great talking to you. Yeah, we appreciate it. Mark Recchi is doing a great job. Him and Phil Housley are uh, are providing some insight on NHL.com. Look for it. Sammy and I were pulling up Recchi's career, and he was like, how, you know, how many years did he play or whatever? I was like, so, I think he played like 15 seasons. <laughs> He's I, like he started in. I'm in Hershey yeah. in the American Hockey League. And we're going into like uh, like Baltimore, I think, or Wilkes-Barre, or and you know you got these Western Canadian guys like Mark Recchi and another one uh, Kevin Stevens and <laughs> Phil Bork, and yeah. we're out there and they're just like zip zip zip, zip. they're like on fire. Yeah, I believe that. And it was like. These guys are good. It's just how smart do you have to be, you know, and that's what Sam and I talked about before too, is thinking about him with the Bruins as a bottom six guy, finding ways to be effective for a team. What are you saying? He, he played every game so, in that Stanley Cup run. So he, he's got really impressive playoff numbers, Recky. I mean, all of his numbers are really impressive. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's played 1,652 games in the NHL. He scored 577 goals. He's pretty good. <laughs> but in the playoffs, he scored. He has 61 playoff goals in 189 games in his career playing in the playoffs. And in his last year, he played 25 playoff games, played every game in their run, and he scored five goals. He had 14 points. And, and, to, me, and to me, winning it with three different teams yeah. over three yeah. big chunks of time, like that speaks to your value, and you're a winner. Forgot to he's mention a winner. John Cullen. Oh, he's a, he was and, a great uh, player. I coming, loved him. Coming through the system. He was at Hartford too. U, maybe? Oh, yeah. 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 He was a great player. He was a really talented guy and fun. Yeah. Just a, a great group of guys. Uh, I'm not... You're, you're, you are... We're, we're married as, as watchers now to the Leafs' bottom six. They're not changing them. There's, not, there's nothing no, to save we're not. them. We're not married. We're, they can be changed no. and fixed. Where? Where? You, maybe one guy? Yeah. Maybe one I think, I can think, come in, come out. What did Vancouver you're, you're just not, do? They grab three you're, you're fringe not, guys? You're not going to change four guys now. You're not going to... You're, 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 hey, you're married to Aston Reese well, let me or ask you Are you married Kubel? to Aubin Kubel? Maybe you can get rid of one, but yeah. you can't get rid of three or four. And Yarn Croc, last time I checked, four-year deal, eight million bucks. I like Yarn Croc just fine, but I, he's bottom six. He is for sure, and he's a and fine he needs bottom to produce, six guy, and he needs to get going. Yeah, he shot three in the net, I think, the, or something this the, year. He'll shoot it in fifteen times. I, I just. To me, if you're looking at that... You're not fixing that. That's my point right now. It is what it is. They should be okay. Majority of them all look the same, to be honest well, with I you. Well, I know, but this is the exactly... No, you think all bottom sixes look the same. Is that what you're getting at? It's 70% no, the of the league. Oh. 70% of the no. league. Like, uh, you're yeah, not... Yeah, I mean, the 30% have... The good 30% have the good bottom <laughs> Yeah, I know, I yeah. know. Like, you'd love a Coleman or a, a Goudreau... <laughs> 
Well, to right? me, they but have they're that, not out there. They have that five point six million from Mizen or whatever they'll have once they bring up Lilligren or however yeah. it works. One D man, one forward that add up to five point six would make a big difference to me. It would yeah. make a big difference to the bottom six to me. It really would. And it would make a big difference to the decor, adding just a capable body back there. I'm not talking about a superstar, but just not someone's you're not playing crawl and mette and like just add somebody yeah. who is good at defense. Listen, you, somebody you, who makes Scott Mayfield. Yeah. You you make it sound like you can go to Amazon.com uh, and like go buy cheap. something. Yeah, just go pick they're, add they're, to cart. You can't? No. <laughs> you can't fire up a couple texts? Hey boys, hey. you up? Just go out there, <laughs> find a great $2.5 million defenseman, find another 2.7. It, it didn't Justin Hall once who's, upon a time. Who's giving those guys away? First of all, if you're lucky enough, you got them at that price and they're overachieving. Where's this year's Kyle Labushkin? getting them. Where's this year's Labushkin? I don't know. I don't know. That's what Kyle's doing. Yeah, I, he's I, looking. I don't know. He's looking, but so is. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we're is, working on it. We're so working is 31 on 31 other teams looking for by the yeah. way, uh, that guy. By the way, boys, uh, our our best bud Labushkin, healthy in, in Buffalo last night. Didn't Go lie. get him. <laughs> Go save him. He's he, he, yeah, he's, he's pissed he's off. exact guy he's, you're asking for. He's pissed off. Get him, in the, get him yeah. back to Toronto. Bring him home. No, he, he has some issues. Are they yeah. that good right now, Buffalo? Bud. I got my. This guy I, is more a saber star. I got my Lafontaine jersey on back here, boys. I'm I'm just listening to Rick Jenneret calls. I, I'm thinking about moving down there, eating wings every day. I'm gonna host Sabres talk. Shout out Lenovo. Yeah, I'm all in. Shout out Lenovo. Lenovo. I'm all in. These guys are so good. Let me get this straight. You, you just want the pressure-free fan. He wants the pressure off of himself. This is a great He's point. feeling too much pressure hey, right now as a Leaf good, fan. The games get hard. The pressure ramps up. This is the good stuff. You're I'm, finally in things that matter. Taking an what ab- would you know about pressure? I'm taking an absolute beating from <laughs> other fans. Because like you I, predicted the Leafs no, would win the Stanley Cup. No, I have Habs fans in my life. I have, like, you know, I just... Sends fans. I got fans of friend, different friends. And also, just, last two years, your personality's been tied to this job. They love it. They love it. I went to Buffalo with a couple house fans. I didn't hear the, and I was like, believe me, boys, I hate them way more than you do. <laughs> like, you can, there's nothing you can say to me that's going to hurt. But it hurt. Yeah, it hurts. We're only 10 games in. You ain't lasting. There's yeah. not a chance. They're Thank pulling God you out on a stretcher by <laughs> March. No, At the pace you're going right now. This is now, probably why the players get to playoffs and they're like, enough. He ain't making I'm it. I'm done. Give me the tee box. <laughs> Sammy's not. We're no. going to get him replaced. Sammy's not making We it. need to develop. Have we drafted and developed any decent producers? <laughs> you know, yeah, any you know, in the system? There's not much depth. <laughs> <laughs> Looking wow. like the goal, Leafs goalie depth back here. <laughs> we got Victor Mete in the wings. <laughs> All right. Anywhere else you want to go, oh, uh, yeah, Leaf, quick, Leaf Nation? Yeah, quickly. Leafs are the most... Profitable fan. They're the most uh, valuable the most. franchise. Yep. 2.7. They passed one. the New York Rangers. Yep. And what would they be billion. if they had playoff success? <laughs> no, I'm not joking. I'm, 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 no. I'm dead serious. If they would have had some gates over the, <laughs> over the years. There are people employed with Sportsnet who might as well be gamblers because their fate hinges on the success of the Leafs. If they win a couple of rounds, they look like geniuses. And if they don't, well... They're in big trouble, right? Ratings, gate, success. 
Need the Leafs to be good. MLSE. Sports well, the good part is me they, and you, bud. They don't broadcast it like that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Pre-game shows on Saturday night. Twenty minutes leaves. Two minutes. Everybody else. <laughs> good. That's the way it should be. That's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Most yeah. people care about the leaf. Oh, actually, I think there's less now. But yeah. Also, boy, Connor we need a win tomorrow night, guys. Oh, how would a win? Need a win. Need oh a win. my Please god. Win. Okay, let's Please see. Win. Quick break. Uh, oh, Julian's going to join us after the break. Mm. Going to get some uh, thoughts on uh, a lot of things, including the pressure maybe Sheldon's felt and uh, what his experience were, has, have, have been as a, as a head coach. For sure. When things are not going well. So we'll welcome him after the break. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, back after these messages. Waiting on... Oh, Julian, where is he in the uh, top 20 winning as coaches in history? I believe oh. he's up to 15. Ah, you lucked. I, you know, Sam does his work. I, I give it a, a look over. Some, sometimes. Don't tell him it's not always. Yeah, I'm interested to get his view on things mm-hmm. from afar. And we have more from Sheldon Keith to come after we get. Oh, All right, let's welcome by. in the 15th winningest coach in NHL history. Claude, uh, hope you're well. I assume you're feeling better than, say, half the NHL coaches with a 500 or below record. No doubt, guys. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot of pressure these days, isn't it? So uh, I know there's a, there's a lot of expectations everywhere, and it's getting tougher and tougher to coach in that league. Yeah, it, it is, and I can't recall, and I've been around not quite as, maybe we're kind of equal maybe on uh, how long we've been around uh, the pro game, but like 10 games in, people are making some real big decisions on what they think they might have. Um, Have you ever seen it uh, this critical on on certain coaches uh, this early to start a season? Not really, guys, And, and I'll tell you what, like, you know, I've said that all along. It seems that, you know, now there's 32 teams in the league. And then, uh, obviously, there's still only 16 teams making the playoffs. I think that's a lot of pressure to put on a lot of coaches, uh, organizations, players, teams, whatever you may uh, talk about. But, you know, at the same time, in the first round, you got eight more teams that get eliminated. So, basically, you're looking at almost 24 out of 32 teams that, that aren't happy. So, I think... That's added a lot of pressure on on everything. Like you said, the, the after ten games, we're talking about change with coaches and maybe even trading players, and uh, and it just seems to be uh, getting worse with time and uh, with the addition of teams coming in the league. Yeah, Claude, you've been in these major markets and felt a lot of the pressure at times. How much does the pressure of you know, media noise get to you? How much does it affect your coaching? Are you aware of it, Drew? You know, while it's going on, I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of what that experience must be like. Well, first of all, I think you know what you're getting into, uh, whether, you know, it's a Sheldon uh, in Toronto or, or others in those big markets. You know what you're getting into. I think the biggest thing is how do you handle it individually? And uh, I know for uh, for my case in Montreal, uh, the thing that I did is I just kind of, uh, did what I had to do with the media because obviously they have a job to do. It's important that you uh, answer questions, you give them, uh, you know, something that they can talk about or write about. Uh, I think that's part of a coach's job. But at the same time, I don't think you have an obligation 
to read and to try and follow up on what's being said. And I think that's the best way to kind of stay, I guess, sane in this kind of uh, market and that kind of a job is by just making sure you stay in your own little bubble and, and you try and stay away from that because you know it's out there. There's no doubt about it. How curious you are to see what's being said, uh, that, that's your choice. And I think sometimes that choice can be a, a dangerous one. And uh, there's enough pressure as it is. You don't want to be influenced by what's being said on the outside, but you want to make sure that the, what you're talking about and, and the solutions you're looking for are, are based on what's going on on the inside of your, uh, of your organization. So I think that's one of the key points in the big markets is, is trying to avoid getting caught up in that. Uh, Justin just talked about it, that uh, there are markets south of the border, and then there's markets like Toronto and Montreal where uh, they can they can take whatever you say on any given day or any given night and, and make whatever they want out of it. And last week we saw Sheldon Keefe make comments uh, about his elite players not being difference makers, and it just ran like wildfire here, Claude. And I'm sure you're 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 aware of it or heard about it. I mean, how often did you sit in in, in a place like Montreal and 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 wonder what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Do I need to be careful? How emotional do I want to be? Do I want to go there or do not want to go there? Did that constantly go through your mind? Or is, is the slate clean until you hit that podium? No, 100%, Nick, on, on your comment there. It is something you do prepare for. You, you have an idea of what they're going to ask. You kind of know where they're going with that. And that's why you have people working with your organization, your PR guys, that kind of get the pulse of what uh, is going on out there. But, you know, you, you do have to be prepared and, uh, and know what you're going to say ahead of time. You just can't go there and, uh, and kind of ad-lib as you're going along. I think it's important, and that's being honest. So you, I mean, you have to be ready for those kind of questions. And at the same time, you got to know that whatever your answer is, uh, is going to have an impact on what they're going to write. So, you know, you, you get to choose how you want to answer that and, and how much you want to give them. And that may be something that as a coach you're able to control a little bit is how much you give them. But, uh, you know, at the same time, it's, it's keeping that balance. And I've always said that is that balance between understanding that the media is there to, I know, promote the game. They're going to critique and they're going to second guess and all that stuff. But they're the ones that are, are promoting our game out there. And you have to give them something that they can write about. And uh, sometimes it's not the, you know, what you'd like them to, to write about, but you can put it in a way where you kind of, uh, I guess, diminish the type of damage that it would do uh, depending on how you answered it. And I think this is where you really have to be careful. you got to be good at it. You have to be experienced at, at uh, those kind of things where mm. you understand, uh, you know, the surroundings and, and what they're going to do and how they're going to take your comment and, and run with it. Claude, one of the things that we've been talking about here in the wake of uh, Sheldon and his elite players having some pseudo drama is when that happens, like Cooper and Kucherov had it, uh, Bednar and McKinnon. Did you have any instances of squabbling with star players and how did those play out? Well, you know what, guys, uh, and I'm not trying to sound like it's never happened. I'm sure it has 
that doesn't seem to, nothing is sticking out in my mind. Like, you know, I got to go back to, you know, where I spent uh, most of my coaching career in Boston. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we had some great leaderships with the Sheras and Bergerons and stuff like that. And it was, you know, I don't ever recall getting into any kind of heated arguments or uh, head-to-head uh, things that made, uh, I guess, made the news. Uh, but there was conversations uh, you know, behind closed doors, sometimes players would come and ask about certain situations, and it was uh, handled more that way than it was publicly. And uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know how to answer that question because I think at the end of the day, it will happen. It's happened with some players, and sometimes it's not even impact players, but uh, uh, it will happen. And now that we're we're talking about it a little bit, you know, what comes to mind and just came back to me was a. Uh, Remember Scott Gomez, you know, when I was in New Jersey, uh, he was a really emotional player, uh, and he would react sometimes on the bench, and then the next day he'd be knocking at your door and apologizing because he knew that uh, his emotions got the better of him. And I think that's what you have to understand, too, is uh, people watching those games when you see coaches and maybe players uh, say a couple of those things, that the, the emotions get the better of you. And by the next day, you know, it's, either got sorted out or there's been a discussion and that and you move on but just because you've moved on behind those closed doors or with your team doesn't mean that the uh i guess the perception out there is is going to stop it's going to continue and uh, they're going to speculate that things aren't going well and uh, those kind of things so that's stuff that you have to understand is, is out there and uh, you manage it the best you can when there are struggles claude the easiest thing either from a fan base or from the media is to say uh, you can't trade 20 guys, so just uh, change the coach. And um, from your perspective, where is, uh, I guess, the thought of knowing that maybe, um, you know, there's a disconnect between you and the players do you feel it? Do you sense it? Do you like how, how do you, how do you respond? Because there's a ton of pressure, no question, on Sheldon feeling it today. People saying, "Hey, bring in Barry Trotz. This guy can't get it done." Um, you know, the sense that maybe a coach has lost the room or the players won't play for him anymore. I mean, what goes through a coach's mind when 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 that start that that narrative starts? Well, I guess, you know, he, he's the only one who knows whether he's lost the room or not. When I say he's the only one, he's the one on the inside who knows that, you know, we can look on the outside and we can speculate and say it seems like his players aren't responding. But, you know, and I know that uh, it's been talked a lot about what happened last year, same thing, slow start, and then they, they picked it up. And, uh, you know, what tells you that may not happen again? But uh doesn't mean it will automatically either. And that's where sometimes, uh, you know, I hear players talking about what happened last year and uh, nobody said it's going to automatically happen again. So I think at the end of the day, to answer your question, uh, coach normally has a pretty good feel if he's lost the room or not. And sometimes it's just, it's not that the players don't respond to you anymore. They've reached a point where they're so, uh, I guess, they're discouraged. They're, uh, they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, there's been times where, hey, I, I've been part of that uh, that same group where they make a change. They bring just in a new voice, and, and it's worked. But there's been times where we've seen it hasn't worked either. And I think uh, during the COVID uh, situation, we saw a lot of changes in a lot of teams that it didn't make much of a difference. And uh, so I think 
GMs are being careful with, you know, making that decision and making sure that they are making the right decision. At the end of the day, people can want Barry Trotz in there, but uh, did Barry Trotz say yes to, to coming to Toronto? There's a lot of there's a lot of yes and, and all that stuff everywhere. So speculations ramp, and as coaches, uh, I mentioned that earlier, you try and drown that uh, white noise that's out around you, and you try and focus on on getting your team back on track because that's what's going to save your job, and that's what's going to get the team back on the winning track. I got one more for you, Claude. Uh, I'm I'm really enjoying this conversation, by the way, and thank you for being so uh, so candid with us. The term coach killer it's often thrown around uh and it's a horrible label uh it's right up there with being uh accused of being soft in my opinion do they really exist from your experience uh i i i think so you know name names I claude so. <laughs> <laughs> we want names yeah no i was gonna say i i think so guys i think there's you know, there's there's players that once they you know they 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 hit a certain wall where they say screw this, uh, nothing's working for me, and I'm packing it in. And uh, a lot of times they can be impact players, and uh, there's no doubt. You know, you've heard that many times, and uh, where where guys, you know, they can be such a, an impactful player if they're at their best, but when they shut her down uh, because they're impactful players, uh, you know, it just gives the uh, the management, uh, I guess, the, the view that. They're done playing for this coach, so uh, that's why they call them coach killers. When they quit playing and they're impactful players uh, as an organization, and I think Nick has said it earlier, you can't fire 20 players, so you got to make a change somewhere. So that that will happen, uh, no doubt. And again, guys, when I'm saying all this stuff, uh, I also know that when you take these kind of jobs on, uh, that's part of it. You know, it's part of you know. Uh, there's going to be a change. You're, you, I always said you negotiate your contract not for when you're working, but by, by when you're fired. You want to make sure you're, you're, you're protected, right, that you have something to fall back on. But, uh, you know, you know that you're going in there knowing that you're not going to coach 20 years in the same place. Eventually there's going to be changes. There were some great coaches moved around this, uh, this past summer that are doing well elsewhere. And that's just part of the gig. So you understand what you're getting into, and uh, you try and make it last as long as you can. Try and get the most out of your players, and that's all you can do. Great answer. And by the way, um, you know Barry Trotz threw his name in the hat here. Uh, you, you want me to check your name in here too? Trotz, he's got the 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 head. I guess the. The fast track to Toronto, I think, if he wants it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's looking at you going, 15, get out of my way. I'm three. Uh, I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll be polite enough and let Trotsy take the lead. <laughs> <laughs> Claude, thanks so much for doing this, man. Hey, you're welcome, guys. It's a pleasure talking to you guys. Ah, great thanks stuff. So Claude Julian. 15th winningest coach. All right. So, we, so we got Trotz, Rick Tockett, and Claude Julien. We all, do. All, uh, just in case. <laughs> just making headlines out here. Just in case. We're just case. stuffing them into headlines unwillingly. I, I do, yeah. And now that I think about it, like, I really, like, yeah. We've had Claude on. <laughs> talk on here. Trotz is Trots next. Trotz is yeah, call him. Like, who we got next? Hey, how about him? Yeah, yeah, you're darn right. Coach killers exist. That, I really enjoyed that. I thought for sure he was going to be like, well, you know, you know, do oh, the. No. And he said, no, they and, exist. And, and impactful players. Yes. When they saying. shut it down, he says, well, I'm just paraphrasing, but he said, if they shut it down on you, you're, you're cooked.
I mean, this is what the cool kids today are calling quiet, uh, quiet quitting. When you're just like, yeah, I'll go out there for my shifts. Sure. You know, I'm paid for the next three years. I don't have to be good. Just I'll, I'll be out there. That's kind of the effort you get from a guy who doesn't want to play for a coach. Not saying that's happening with Toronto. Yeah. This is a no, greater no, discussion no, no, of the no. idea of this coach is, killers. This is just a conversation, right? It is, man. But have you ever played finger, for a coach you just hated? And I'm not, not again, not. We're Toronto. not pointing any. I was never in a position to hate a coach. Of course you were. No, no. You scored sixty times when I year. was in a position to say <laughs> sixty in the I old baby. Hope when you fill out the roster and the lineup, yeah. I'm on it. Okay. Big boys can hate their coach. They can have disagreements oh, with them. I'm just wanted to be in the lineup and give me a chance. As my just buddy Mark Hartman said, give me a chance. Give me a chance. No, I just was give not. Give me a chance. Could I, could I have an opinion of somebody? Yes. Uh, were there things that uh, a guy like Keenan would say to others or including me and challenge me? You're like, F you. And yes, yes, yes. But... Like where where would that emotion of hating yeah. a coach get me anywhere? It's just a, it's I a was the same it's way. a waste, I, I, it's a wasted emotion for me. I'm just I'm just a, a small little piece of salt in, uh, on a big table right now. That's a vast amount of humility for someone with your resume. I I will say there's times where I felt that my coach uh, maybe was in over his head, didn't know what he's doing. The team is having players meetings, going, listen, yeah. no one wants to hear from this guy. But yeah. we have other reasons to, you know, play well. And 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 y- if you're sitting at the dinner table and you've got, you know, a Mark Messier or Brian Leach, you they you they dictate that conversation. Sure. And, and, and in this can, case, I could think and, it was and, a captain of the team and, who yes, wanted exactly. to have that and, talk. And then you could chime in and say, yeah, I, I mean, he, I, I don't I don't agree with him going after uh, Sergey Zuboff. Yeah. Or you know, what's he doing to Leachy? What's he saying that for? That's ridiculous. Like you can have those opinions, but you ain't you're not a game changer in the in the grand scheme of things. So yeah. you just kind of sit there and and stay in your lane. Yeah. Curious to know when your coach says what he says and he leaves the room, do the boys look around and go, you know, give they, the head are, on this guy? Are they in an Uber? Well, on the talking you, about their coaches in an Uber. Yeah, That's you, you gotta wonder. You, you can uh, lose faith in in the program in the structure, in the system, that can happen. And it's it's a challenge right now for Sheldon. And I, we've said it before on this show. I don't think Sheldon sending out Kerfoot and Willie Nylander on an offensive zone face-off and saying, boys, uh, cheat and, and go for the, the game-winning goal. Of course not. So why, where's the disconnect between what Sheldon's telling them and what you're seeing on the ice, that's that's a conversation for Brendan and, and Kyle to have with Sheldon or anyone else in the organization they value. You know what's great for the show today is we haven't talked to Sheldon yet today. We haven't heard from him at all. Fortunately, he did speak. Um, and the greatest producer of all time, Sam McKee, was able to grab some clips <laughs> yeah, for right. us there, chum. Right. Um, I'm just a Samson off, buddy. <laughs> just filling in. <laughs> why don't we uh, Why don't we hear from Sheldon and just get an overview on the start of the year? Well, it is surprising. I mean, the expectations that I had for the team and I think everybody has for themselves is a lot higher than what we've performed uh, performed like to date. Um, that said, it is it is ten games, and we have lots of hockey left to play. So let's just focus on tomorrow. 
Oh, boy, we couldn't state the obvious more than that. <laughs> well, I, I don't blame him. It's like, don't well, don't get caught. The, he, he's in a defensive mode right now. Everything he says right now is getting dissected. That's what we do. So I'm, I'm not going anywhere, boys. I'm going to, yeah, not the start we, start, we were looking for. Uh, tomorrow's a new day. But he had the option to say that, you know, what are we doing? We got to get our heads out of our collective ass here. No, what are we? No, yeah, no, sure no, he did. No, 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 that's yeah. a mistake. The other That's a mistake. To go out and say yes. that this is a problem that everyone don't, else sees, but don't, we don't. Don't need to act like you're at the end of your rope. Yeah. Okay. Calm everything down. Tomorrow's a new day. You guys Chamomile go, go on the real Kipper and born Sammy Home show app. and beat it up. Yeah. We're just going to go back to work. Oh, yeah. That's the message that he um, needed to send, and that's what you got out of that clip. This other one is what this other one's very interesting. The the needing to play better because there's something that he says in there that's actually, you know, gives us a little bit of fodder if you want to play it now. We do. Yeah. Well, the first, I mean, there's a lot of areas in our game that we can. That we that we can improve upon, you know. And in, in fact, you know, I, I think when you talk about our, our start and the results or whatever that we've had, I think you know the, the points that we've been able to accumulate to this point um, probably uh, you know is, are even more so uh, more than what I would expect based on how we've played, frankly. And that, that speaks to the ability and talent that we have as a group. So my focus solely is just to get our team to play better. I think an area that we can improve on the most. Is how connected we are and how we execute as a group coming out of our zone and getting through the neutral zone and then just getting on the attack from there. I thought we were well on our way to that in Anaheim, uh, just in terms of our play with the puck in our first period, especially the last 10 minutes was really representative of what I think we could could look like. Well, we weren't able to sustain that, but that's certainly where we want to get to tomorrow. Hmm. Where do you want to start there? Uh, I want to start with the actual system, structure, the way they play. And he said that one area we can improve on is um, connectedness and getting the puck out of our D zone. Um, I sent a couple of messages around to find out about this Pontus Holmberg and how he's looked. And he has two assists in seven games for the Marlies. Like, you know, not going to come in here and... Can he stand on the right side of the puck? Yes. So that's that's what the messages I got back. He said that... Um, a centerman who supports the puck really well from the middle of the ice, helps the puck, helps the breakout in all facets. They clearly just want to not play in their end. And I guess they think Holmberg can do that. Good. Good. I'm looking, for- fine with I'm, that. I'm, I'm looking forward to his playing him. Him, him taking a pass uh, at the hash marks. And- don't care. Okay. Don't care. If, if I'm Sheldon Wednesday, I don't care if we need to play this game and win one nothing or 2-1. Yeah. But when I... I see you, Justin Hall, go into the offensive zone. I'm going to zap you with my this new collar yeah. I'm, I'm putting on your neck. Yeah. Okay? Well, you know That's the whole it. thing about activating Just the D and getting the D involved? That might be. We try, might be try, good on that. Try, they got one goal from try, their D. Try to win a, a 2-1 score. Yeah. Hey, we don't have well, to Well, you be, better win 2-1 because you can't score. We don't have to go for it every which way. I see where the Leafs are. And that is... When, when it's not rolling, when it's not, when you're not feeling it, just play, play, play it on the right side of the puck. That's all. Yep. And I, I think that's what Holmberg will do. He had a nice camp for them. So, Hontas so, Holmberg. That's, that to me is a, a smart move. Okay. Well, I guess that's what they're looking for. Um, 
Yeah, we have one on Pontus. Yeah, I old, didn't even know that. Uh, old Keith's got a little scout, uh, his own scout, scouting report. Oh, <laughs> Skeldon? Ste- what am I talking I about? Know, who cares? I hope I didn't step all over him here. Let's no, see. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Pontus guy, we were really excited about the camp that he had. You know, obviously the, the, the numbers and the, and the cap and things, you know, um, didn't have space for him coming in and wanted to try some different guys uh, in the middle. But uh, we've obviously tried different people throughout that road trip uh, playing center ice. Uh, we liked the idea of having a natural center coming in. And, and he, had, he had a really good camp for us. We like a lot of things about him. And he's gone down to the Marlies and, and you know, all reports are he's been excellent for them there. Not a guy that scores at a high rate, but does a lot of really good things that contribute to winning, so we're happy to have him. Not a guy that scores at a high rate. 23 years old, 6 feet tall and 200 pounds, a left shot. All right. Okay. I got for you. Hey, anyway, that's the guy coming in for the Leafs. Um, I'm afraid to listen to the the last clip because I feel like you we've know, done we, this. Well, we beat it up, but it's worth Benching listening. Mark. Okay. We're going we're to we, listen. We, to- yeah, we want to hear what he has to say on, on Benching Marner. All right. And we have not heard it. Nope. Right? Nope. Okay, hold on. Let's play Guess What You're Going to Hear. Oh, I like that. I like that. Okay, what, what, what is he going to say? I think he's going to say that, you know, sometimes you just have to show uh, that everyone is personally accountable um, and you know, that even means our best guys and something like that. Yes. You think so? Yeah. Same? Okay. Play it. There's just one. Okay. Hold on. Before you play it. What? There's just one part of this clip. That's so funny. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, as a coach, you make a lot of decisions as you go through the game. And sometimes you make, you're trying to send a message to the player. Sometimes you're trying to send a message to the, to the entire team. Each situation is different. Um, you know, I thought at that time. You know, we, we would just, uh, you know, I, I was already looking for a way to get uh, Dennis Malligan a little extra shift here and there, and that was an easy way uh, to, to let Mitch have some time to, to kind of process things and knowing that you're going to full well, you're going to get him right back to it. But, I mean, these, these decisions are made all the time with a lot of our players, not the first time uh, for Mitch, um, and really not a big deal. Not a big deal. Um, I had to get a cut. Oh my God! Well, you didn't have Do you trying to get road, Mulligan remember, some time in the bingo. Remember card? road hockey when you you know you pick teams and <laughs> Albert's the last guy. Albert's Albert. <laughs> Albert's the last Albert. guy. I was always first off the board, boys. First Sheldon pick. picked Albert. You went Mulligan right out of the league. <laughs> <laughs> he picked Albert over Mitch Marner, first it, team All Star. It is really funny that he's like he was looking to get Mulligan another shift. It's like now. Oh. Leave that part out. <laughs> <laughs> Save that one. Save, keep that in the old holster. And the other thing I take, I take, <laughs> I take <laughs> all the weapons to pull out. I save some, oh. take some offense in him saying that he does it to, he doesn't do it ever. He's yeah. like, oh, we do this to a lot of our players. No, you don't. I did. I you, did well, you do it to your fourth line guys. You play right. six to a nine. Uh, uh, he's he never, said he's, he's trying never, to send a message to the whole team. Who, who, what big boy has he benched? Willie, like been? once? Oh, Willie, or twice? Oh, he's benched Willie a ton. Not yeah. that often. I would set the over-under at two and a half. But old Max. boy got sad this easy. year. You yeah. know who's not easy? Marner and Matthews. And Morgan. The boy. Right <laughs> well, Morgan, because you don't have any other hockey players at that position. Yeah. Right? You know. But Morgan. When, when you bench Matthews, now you're showing me something. <laughs> oh, now, now we're we're willing to go there. 
I hey, I would have been hey, fully on board. I would be one, too. One point of even strength. I would really, I really like is. them to bench Matthew because I think Malgan needs a couple more looks. Yeah, we get, like, get six two and white over the board. See what he can do for us. We're we're down a couple. I can't believe you said that. So I honestly so, was cutting the clip back here. I was like, oh, I can't wait for them to hear that. <laughs> he did so, score uh, nice goal. Did, uh, did someone get into Matthew's grill about uh, representing uh, a gambling site? Yeah. Do you have that clip? We do have that clip. All right. right. Austin, your question is not about the road trip. I'm, I'm here all day, I guess. I'm with the fifth estate at the CBC. All righty. explain why you chose to make this deal with Bet99? I appreciate the question, but uh, after all that, I don't think I'm going to get into it much, honestly. So if you guys got any more hockey-related questions, then... They hired you to be an ambassador for the brand. I just wanted to give you the opportunity. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, uh, I've already kind of answered this question before, and there's just you know a lot of hockey questions and stuff. So I kind of just like to keep on that, if that's okay. And if not, we can just move forward. I think he handled it really well for a guy that says, "I'm not going there. I'm not going there." I honestly don't think he could have handled that better. But would you guys? It gives you some sense of a guy like Austin, who. Did not grow up here like a Mitch Marner who knows what the market's all about. Like that sort of stuff, I'm thinking, he's thinking to himself, what is wrong with you people? Like it's, we're, we're playing hockey here. All right. Just, <laughs> that's right? a great draw. <laughs> I mean, right. that's the stuff that probably drives him nuts. That extra stuff. Yeah, would it, you guys would it have been better for you if he said it's legal and they pay me well? No, no, I think he handled it. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. That no, no, would can't have, say that's, that. Yeah, I can't say that. That's can't, like that's like saying throw... Malgan. We want to get Malgan a couple more shifts. I don't know what. To yeah, he, he he handled it as well as you can. But here we've been talking all show about the pile on, and this is just like a a a, a cherry and whipped cream mm. on a. On a crap Sunday right now that they're it's just eating. like now I gotta watch it, a report come out or a yeah. documentary yeah. on this in Fifth the three state. weeks. Fifth <laughs> well, he's like, all right, all right, like that. Oh my god, what's next? Alrighty. Sixty minutes? <laughs> yeah. Be like the camera work and the gummy DeMaio, is it from uh, Simpsons with Homer? They're gonna frame Austin Matthews oh. like not answering the question. Be oh, like yeah. Matthews. Oh yeah. Oh, wants your kids to gamble. Yeah, I just. Yeah, it's hot down there. Warm at least practice. I you look at one what, what other market would Montreal? Montreal, maybe. Yeah. Maybe Edmonton. Maybe. I mean, last time I checked, the, the captain out there is doing a lot of gambling commercials too. Yeah, but I'm just yeah, I'm just saying in general, like here here he is. He's inundated with, you know, everybody scrutinizing everything. And yeah. um and then on top of that, that comes out of left field and a room full of yeah, and, people that he's dying to get away from. And listen, like, it was a little contentious before that. You know, like, Steve Simmons asked him a question, and they've had history, say what you will about it, but he's, you know, he asked him if he was surprised about the start of the year, and he kind of had a, it's like, I don't know, Steve, how to answer that. And he's feeling it, and I don't know how you couldn't. He's a human being. But I'm I, here all day, I guess. Like, <laughs> Just I, cutting clips while they're on. I think, I think he's handling it really well. I do. Like the way yeah. he speaks to well, the you know, I, you I, I, I think it's uh, the professionalism that he's handling yeah. it with yeah. is in impressive. terms of of staying in the moment and just getting out of it. Yes, 
how he's handling it will be dictated on what we see on the ice yeah, that's fair. for the next best, two weeks. Best thing that, was it Recky or Julian said that the best way to lead when you're not a vocal leader is go be the best player. Go be Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. Yeah. You know, go be Chara. Just, you don't have to stand up and yodel. Just we, go play the best hockey. If, uh, if, if we see Austin two weeks from now play like the last two weeks, then we're going to all sit here collectively and say he's not handling this thing well. Wait, say this for two weeks, he's going to be healthy right? scratch. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Stop that, okay, would you? Ben- benched then. We almost have, we, we got eight minutes before the show's over. Let Sammy I know. And we got, we got uh, Matt. Other news in And just a little Matt Murray update, too. Okay. Uh, I didn't cut the clip because it's not that. It Is he skating? He skated today, progressing well. Uh, part of his plan, today was the day that he was scheduled, so he has met and stayed on that schedule. And from that end of it, I think he's doing well. Whew. Yeah. How exciting. Yeah, thank God. Do we um, have a... Uh, do you want to do news and notes? Mrazic update at all? He... <laughs> I, he was hurt too. His, his groin is a <laughs> spaghetti squash that's been baked. All right. Any interest in uh, Little Sabres talk or no? Yes. I'll start there. Tage. The greatest player in the league, Tage, Tage Thompson. Thompson. You guys so, watch those highlights? Watch the game. Yeah. I didn't see the game. I no, watched the it was it was Mario esque. Guy is dominating. Oh, the show can relax. No, he on is. Tage no, no, no. Like, no. Hey, you're Mr. Analytics. <laughs> no. You're Mr. Analytics. No. Go look at his like expected goals for like he was at sixty five percent Corsi last night. Like he kicked the crap out of the Red Wings last night. The guy is you know dominating. What, you know the other thing too is like I'm thinking he's six three. No, he's like not. six six. That's why you like him? Six seven. He's, he's he's growing as I he's currently talk six about eight him. now that yeah towards the end of the show he's a giant he's an absolute giant yeah how do you move like that I don't know I don't know yeah he's the, cutting he's, in and no, cutting Sammy's out six six you tell us Sammy did you see oh I don't hey guess what don't Sammy. have the same quick t- twitch muscles at all stage but <laughs> did you see the the reaction from Darlene when he cut it back to the middle and put it by the goalie Darlene literally put his hands on his head when we went skating towards did the Sunny Milano yeah, he was like oh Zegris. my god what a goal so. Yeah. Uh, if, if the Leafs don't turn this around, he's you, you, he, this guy's going to be producing a, a, a sports show I gotta for tell WGR. You. Yeah, five fifty. I'm going to give my boy Nate Geary a call. We're going to do Saver stuff. Wanda Radio. Oh yeah. I, no, I'm telling you, our, our our chat for the YouTube thing is like we've lost Sammy to the Sabers. Like this is rock bottom. Yeah. And this, and Bunkus and I too, because his boy is Dylan Cousins, the UConn guy. Connection. Like we're both thinking about going to going to uh, Orchard Park. So. You guys go have the Sabres. You go root for the Sabres. I'm sorry. These leafies are going to be just fine. Yeah, they'll be fine. Uh, they're not Tage Thompson, divisional nobody. Team, divisional team, yeah, they're not Tage Thompson. Ottawa Senators, apparently, for sale. Yeah, it's uh, official. That is yeah. official. I think so, yeah. yeah. So that means the Melnick daughters yes. will collect half of the sale price of $700 million more. Eight hundred million. I don't know. If I was the oldest, I'd say I got seniority. I'd get the majority of it. Would you? Yeah, I'd call. You'd grind for the extra little succession, twenty million. Little succession situation. Yeah, yeah. I just lack that killer Scram instinct. Scram, beat like, it. <laughs> <laughs> I get so, five hundred. You get three hundred. Yeah. See ya. And the sense. Pardon the pun. Mm. The sense is the sensitors that minimum eight hundred million. Wow. I think that's completely reasonable given the estimation of. 
you know, franchises in the in the league? Is it an average about a well, billion dollars? A billion. I think the Leafs, what did we say? Well, the Sportico Leafs literally just put out an article about the valuation so I could see what they had on their thing. But yeah, the I Leafs. I think it was 685 is what they had on Ottawa, if I recall. Okay. I'll look that up as you guys yeah. talk. But the but still, you don't sell it for the value. You sell it for, you know, you want to buy this right now. It's tough to get a pro sports team. A little premium on top. And there's the idea that if they move, they could be worth considerably more, whether that be LeBreton or... It has to be LeBreton. LeBreton, yeah. Without a doubt. And it would have to be a complete real estate play. Mm-hmm. You have to go in there and you got to have the ability to develop around the area... I mean, sports is sports, but you're going to pay a billion dollars. It's going to take a while to collect that back. Yeah. Yeah, this is not a quick turnaround on an investment like that. But I, I, I would think that this is uh, it's, it's going to be very popular here. It's going to be interesting to see how, how long the process goes, how many uh, groups throw their, their, their name in the hat, how much of a market does Gary want to create? Will he go Is for Is it the- important that it's Ottawa-based? Would that matter? Like the money? Like could it be money from anywhere? Or is it important that the investors be Ottawa people? They're, they're seldom uh, local, local people. Yeah. Seldom. Do you... Th- I mean, I don't want to say this, but could they move? You know, everything... Uh, no. Based on what we've seen out of Gary and... Uh, ah, he'd the, be dying to get uh, out of Canada. He's like, can I get, take him to Houston where no one will go? Well, we said, and Gary's, where does he move teams? He keeps them. Hmm. Except, the, except the Canadian ones. Houston Senators sounds very American, actually. Yeah. yeah. No. So, no, it's not. Uh, I don't think you need to. It's a great market if you can go back downtown. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Does New Mexico need a team? That's <laughs> where Gary, where's the warmest place on earth? The yeah, that, so according to Sportico, they had him at $655 million. 655 Yeah. All right. Yeah, but I think it's uh, I think based on the feeling that these organizations, on average, are a, b- a billion dollars, you go after the billion. So, like, what is that? Man, so much riding on it as a fan for who buys it. Yeah, in terms it does of change everything. In terms of the way you spend, if it's like a if it's a corporation, if it's a single person, if yeah. it's like. So I much rise. Scott Malkin and John Ledecky, there, love you. Yeah, there it's been is a blessing. no coincidence though. In the last six months, that they went out and they, yeah, they tied in all these assets, hundred percent, Kip. And then they put the for sale sign up. Smart move. Yeah, it is a smart move. Because huh. if I'm going also, in there, there's interest. They're saying, look, there's interest. If you're good, interest, people will care. And you have assets now. Mm-hmm. You have. You know, million dollar players. Yeah, that are worth something. That's why I get to charge you eight hundred million right now, or eight fifty. Yeah. Are you imagine being one of those girls though, and like and you're, about, you're about to inherit think, like four hundred yeah. million dollars, or like whether it's three eighty five yeah. or four twenty. Yeah, like, but after tax, it's probably about two fifty. Uh, yeah, right. Two twenty. Right. <laughs> yeah. But can you imagine what that's like? Like, what do you, uh, what do you, what do you think, want to do with the rest of your life now that money doesn't matter? Think about that new Buy sports rivalry team. in Ontario, too. Like, you get somebody dun, in there dun, dun, just dun, dun. take, really take, Canada, really take it teams. to another level. Oh, man, it'd be good. Just moving to Markham. be really good. <laughs> um, Best chance for success. Yeah. Good games tonight. 
on the television. What do we got? Pittsburgh Penguins. and Boston. I like Ottawa Tampa is a good game these days. I love what hate watching my Oilers, so <laughs> Jack Campbell between the tight pipes tonight, guys. Big night for him. Gotta win his job back. Soupy. All right. Good show today. Our thanks to uh, Luke Fox for providing a wonderful Heat. entertainment on his article on sportsnet.ca. I think a baseball opener now. We just bring him in to throw fastballs out of the gate. Hall of Famer Mark Recchi and the 15th winningest coach in NHL history, Claude Julian, also a guest today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Give us a rating and review on Apple, Spotify, iTunes. Give us a thumbs, thumbs up on YouTube, too. We love that as well. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow.